0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello friends, welcome to episode 896 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday morning, and the Atlanta Hawks got their third consecutive victory. A three-game winning streak to open the season after last season, the Hawks did not win three games in a row at any point. So, it's been a while since the Hawks had a winning streak up like this, and uh, a lot of fun to be had. With that said, this is kind of a game that I would say has some mixed takeaways, which we'll dive into. Offensively, very good. Defensively, not so much. But alas, a victory, that we'll dive into on the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Please subscribe to the podcast, and we will dive in, as we always do, to the game. Now, before we get to the game itself, there is some pregame stuff to get into. First, the Hawks, uh, I, I guess it was actually a Fox Sports announcement, the Hawks actually sound as well, but Vince Carter is going to be doing five games in the booth for Fox Sports Southeast, alongside Bob Rathbun and Dominique Wilkins, uh, including Wednesday's game and MLK Day, etc. So, shouts to Vince, a return to the Hawks family in some form or fashion. As for the Encore product, the Hawks had a the return of Capella in this game. His debut with the Hawks happened after he was listed, listed as probable originally, ended up playing in this game. Gallinari, though, was questionable, and he, he did not play, and he was actually scratched late. He was a game-time decision and then apparently could not go for the Hawks, so we'll come back to that at a, at a later date. But Capella did speak to the media before the game, said he feels, quote, much better and ready to go. And again, it was the first time he's played in a game in the regular season anyway, since January 29th with the Rockets. So it's been a long time, almost a year, for Clint. He did say before the game that he felt a little bit sore the last couple of days, a few days in a row, but there was no, like, event that happened to trigger his Achilles soreness. So obviously him playing today is a good sign. He wasn't fantastic, but him being on the court is a a sort of big thing for the Hawks moving forward. Also after the game, the Hawks announced that Okonwu and Snell have both been cleared to progress to live contact workouts. That was the full update from the Hawks there, but they were due for reevaluation. Obviously, we we talked about Chris Dunn uh, yesterday on the multiple podcasts that I posted with Tower Jones and also a, a news update, but... Um, the other two guys who are still out are Kongwu and Snell, and uh, a good step forward for both of those guys. I'm not sure when they're going to be able to play, but obviously we will uh, you know, monitor that, and I will re- recommend also the Sunday afternoon podcast that I posted had some inter- interesting audio from Lloyd Pierce on a Kongwu. So that's in there. Check it out. And no, di- no, no more detail beyond that, so a timeline up in the air, but we'll see when those guys can actually be returning to action. Um, also, before tip-off, the starters were surprising to some, not really to me. The Hawks ended up starting out with Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Klick Capella on the floor. There was some freak out, I would say mostly outside of Atlanta, with with Bogdanovich not starting now that now that most of the pieces are still in place. The Gallinari freak out happened before the season started because we all kind of knew that he wasn't going to start with the way that the Hawks were approaching it, but Bogdanovich, it was less clear. It's something I've talked about a lot before, but it's not a huge surprise to me, nor do I think that that is actually a huge deal whatsoever. And I think starting laps are always overrated, something I say all the time on the podcast. They do matter on some level because a lot of times starters play more minutes. I get that. But they're overrated in terms of just like deciphering what's going to happen with a team. This is a good example tonight where Bogdanovich ends up playing 30 minutes. That's plenty of minutes. Uh, he may not average that many minutes off the bench, but if he's going to come off the bench all the time, that's still plenty of minutes. He played more than um, at least one star. Actually, yeah, he played more than two starters, three stars in this game. So that's a good, good example of the uh, corollary here. But I will say that the Hawks giving him some secondary creation minutes off the bench makes sense. And also, almost more importantly, defensively, I think the Hawks going with Reddish and Hunter on the wings... Makes sense to me. Do they have to do that all the time? No. But when you have Trey Young and you have John Collins, um, who's actually been better defensively, but still, when you have Trey Young, especially, I think point of attack defense is a question mark. And that that pa- that backcourt pairing of Young and McDonough is not exactly fantastic in that way. I think McDonough is underrated defensively in some ways, but a lot of that's because he's big and physical, not that he's quick. And it's kind of a similar situation to where the Hawks had with Young and Herder last year, and that those guys can play together for sure, but if they're facing you Know full time starters all the time when they're out there at the start of games. If the other team, other team has, a, has a perimeter player that can really torch you, you need to have some options to guard that guy. So, I'm not advocating for it, I'm just totally fine with him coming off the bench. If that's what that's the best alignment for the Hawks, it does make sense if you think about it. I think just it's a lot, it's just very overblown. As you saw in this game, he'll play plenty, that's not really a concern for me. So, it's a little weird, yes, to pay a guy four years, $72 million with a player option, etc., and have him not start in full. I totally get that perception issue but you know practically speaking he still plays a lot and honestly he does kind of make more sense in the role that he's in, if you factor in all the other pieces of, involved, I still think that right now, today, by is better than Reddish and Hunter. He's more, he's more accomplished, etc. But they're just different players, and he does a lot of things that the Hawks are definitely going to need. I would certainly argue to maybe stagger him and Trey a little bit and have uh, have Bogdanovich on the court a lot when Trey is not. Um, that's even more the case when Rondo's not playing, where he actually did he actually did play today. We'll, we'll talk about him later on. He was great in this game, but um, you know, staggering. We got into all this in the, in the past but I, I, my overarching message would be not to freak out I, I think Hawks fans don't really mind too much because Hawks fans are really invested in Reddish and Hunter which makes a lot of sense but nationally I, I heard a lot of reaction people that are smart they were like whoa by I'm just starting I'm like well I mean yes he's not but would it surprise me if he started in the near future no he started on Saturday obviously there was an injury there but this Hawks team and as most teams are gonna throughout the season are gonna have some injuries uh Capella Has been hurt. Gallinari is hurt right now. Uh, Chris Dunn is out right now. Like it's going to happen. The depth is good to have, and we'll see what they do moving forward. But um, I'm not sure you can assume this is the lineup moving forward, but it was tonight, and we'll see what happens beyond today. Last thing before we get to the actual tick by tick of the game and how it actually transpired the Hawks were 10 point favorites in this game. Yes, 10 point favorites in this game against Detroit. Now, it is important to note that Detroit did not have two of their better players in Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, um, so Detroit is already bad. They were already on the road and without two guys. But this is the first time that the Hawks have been a double-digit favorite since March of 2017. I said that on, on, the, on the podcast yesterday, but just worth emphasizing. That's a long time. That's three plus almost four years without being a favorite of this of this size. And by the way, the Hawks didn't cover, which is kind of crazy because they were up by 20-something in the fourth quarter. But we'll come back to that in a moment. All right, before we dive in to the blow-by-blow of the game today, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. The regular season is coming to a close, and the NFL and a playoff picture will be decided in the near future. With that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That place is BetOnline.ag. You can sign up right now today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up as the season continues with great matchups on a nightly basis, there's a jam-packed slate of college football action in the coming days with bowl games and the playoff getting underway this weekend with a doubleheader on Friday. From there, Week 17 of the NFL season is coming this week. There are some fun matchups to handicap on that slate, including Dolphins-Bills, Cardinals-Rams, and Steelers-Browns. And if none of that gets you going there's a full menu of offerings for bet online on any sport you can think of and BetOnline online also offers a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering futures and exotics do not sit on the sidelines anymore instead getting on the action do not forget to use the promo code locked on you receive that 50 percent welcome bonus we first deposit one more time that is promo code locked on for 50 percent on a welcome bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts all right so we'll dive in here now and i would say broadly speaking the Hawks played well in the first quarter, but the first three possessions, it was kind of funny, it was a tale of uh, little runs by the Hawks, um, but they actually were pretty ugly in the first three possessions of the game. They took three bad jump shots in a row, they were down 5-0, it was like some uh-oh moments, and then they went crazy. So they scored seven times in a row on the next seven trips, that included Trey Young going crazy himself, a dunk from Click Cl- Cl- Capella. that was his first, first, his first bucket as, as sort of a, a reward for running the floor hard, Trey found him on a good cut for a dunk. And then the 7th possession in a row of scoring did feature an offensive rebound, but it still counted, so they were on a hot streak there. Um, Lineup-wise, the Hawks went to Bogdanovich as the first sub off the bench for John Collins. I generally agree with that um, sort of, I would say, operating, just because... I think it's good to stagger Capella and Collins as much as you possibly can. You don't have to do it all the time, but I think it's uh, within reason those guys play better separately, probably, and especially this early on. They, they were not fantastic to together on the court today. Um, they also brought in Fernando for Capella as a backup center in this game. Nathan Knight did not play. I know Hawks fans were upset by that, but uh, I tried to tell you yesterday not to overreact too much. It was a great, was a great game for Nathan Knight, but I think he's not going to be in rotation permanently unless there are issues elsewhere. They did play actually nine guys in the first eight minutes of this game, because they brought in Solomon Hill and Kevin Herter in the near future. After that, but the the obviously uh, one of the bigger runs of the game actually was the Hawks going on a sixteen to two run to go up by twelve in the first quarter. Young had an awesome cross court pass to Bogdanovich that I wanted to make note of, and then Solomon Hill hit a three to uh, cap a run and a, a, uh, get a timeout from Detroit. So um, from there, it was the other debut as I, as I referenced before on the podcast. It was Capella's debut today, but it was also Rondo's debut. And He was really good in this game, especially offensively. You know, on defense, the uh resistance was, was not always fantastic for Ron in this game, but offensively, he was really good from the beginning. He threw a great skip pass to Hill for a three, got a lefty layup uh early in that early, early in his first in as well, and uh, shot the ball with confidence, passed the ball and, and at his high level as he always does. So, he played well. They actually brought back Collins to go to the five late in the first quarter, so they actually played. Bruno Fernando some in the first, but also managed to get Collins back on the court as a center, which is, I think is a good a, a good approach in general, especially without Gallin-Ari available. But anyway, the Hawks' offense was great, really for most of this game, but especially at times in the first three quarters. 33 points in the first quarter. They had 10 assists and two turnovers in the first. They scored 1.43 points per possession, which is absolutely elite. They shot lights out from the floor, and then defensively, it was probably their best quarter of the night in a lot of ways was the first, and then they led up from there. It was not a good night defensively in this game, but early on it was pretty good, and the Hawks led by eight at the end of the first quarter. Um, so from there, they scored fine still early in the second quarter, but the defense kind of led up in a lot of ways. Pierce snapped off a quick timeout. They were getting beat in the paint a lot as well. Really the entire game, um, points to the pit were a problem for the Hawks at the rim. They to come back with Trey Young and Click Capella together at the nine-minute mark. I like Pairing those guys together as well, as far as uh, you know, Clint's best role offensively is very, very clearly as a role man. That's the same thing for John. Um, but you know, C- Collins is more versatile. He has more of a perimeter game. He has he has some shooting, all that stuff. With Capella, he needs to be in pick and roll. That's kind of his only value offensively. Maybe you can put him in a Ducker spot too. But um, having him with Rondo is also fine. But I think having him with Trey makes a lot of sense, both on really on, def- on defense as well. He's probably going to be the best center um, defensively for the Hawks this season as well. But Detroit kind of came back a little bit, and it was because the Hawks' defense let up in a lot of ways. Um, we'll come back to that later on. But there was actually a live ball technical foul by Trey Young, which is kind of funny. He was yelling at a ref. Um, we got a technical foul there. Um, but other than that, you know, defensively it was just not very good. Another frustration come out from Pierce pretty quickly after that. The Pistons only had, you know, it actually had some mediocre shooting, I would say, for most of this game. But in the early going, they had one turnover and seven offensive rebounds 18 minutes. So the possession battle was going to Detroit in some ways. And they played pretty hard in this game. You know, the Pistons were undermanned. That's important to point out. I said it yesterday on the podcast as well, but just to say this out loud before I forget to. The Pistons, you know, I'll just say this. For the Hawks, this is about as easy as a matchup you'll ever see in the NBA. Now, it's not always this clear cut, but the Pistons are pretty bad. They are pretty universally seen as a bottom five team this year on paper and then you remove Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, and then you also put Detroit on the road, and the Hawks, um, you know, not not full strength without, without Gallinari, etc., but still at reasonable strength at home, normal rest, etc., and the Hawks have to win this game solidly, and they did, but it's worth pointing out that this defensive performance was bad enough on its own, and then you kind of factor in how bad Detroit's personnel was offensively, it makes it even look worse, so that's just worth saying out loud once I will try not to over over overemphasize that, but it's definitely worth pointing out. Um, I will say the Hawks did stabilize a little bit at times offensively, making play after play after play throughout this game. There was a gorgeous possession out of a timeout in the second quarter that ended with a, a three by Badonovich. So it was a great call by Lloyd Pierce. Good play design there. They had to, they had to bring Collins out of the game with three fouls before they wanted to at the end of the first half. He was not good in the first half overall. Um there was a stretch that I want to make sure that I say something about is that Trey Young Really had Killian Hayes tied up in a blender. I'm a big Killian Hayes fan. He was he's a rookie, obviously, and actually he played well uh, in the fourth quarter, especially of this game. Made some really impressive plays. But there was a you know he was just in the penalty box in a big way against Trey in the second quarter. Just had no answers there in the bonus. Trey is so smart and so good at drawing fouls and just kind of owning that matchup. And he definitely dominated it down the stretch of the first half. The Hawks did um, push the lead up to 14 at one point late in the first half, but got his extra settled up at nine at the break. Still, offensively, the Hawks were great before halftime. 55% from the floor, 50% from three, 16 assists, had a 132 offensive rating. That's just fantastic. The defense was a little bit better at times in the second quarter, but still allowed a 1.14 points per possession mark by the Pistons, and it actually got worse. And really, I will say overall, the first half especially, and then it got even worse in the fourth quarter, it was kind of the national caricature of the Hawks. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you read some of the national stuff that's more broad, it's like, oh, this Hawks team has some dangerous offense, but man, that defense is terrible. And it's kind of that, that's kind of the general take. Um, and, you know, there's some truth to that, obviously. The Hawks are offensively a better team on paper and a more gifted team offensively than defensively. But the nuanced part of this is that the Hawks are better defensively than I think people realize they are, at least personnel wise. But still, um, in this game, it really was like. The Hawks were awesome offensively and terrible defensively. And, you know, it's not always that clear cut, but it really kind of was in this game. And that was was definitely the case in the first half as well. Um, After halftime, you know, things were better at times um, for the Hawks defensively. And then the fourth quarter was not great. But we'll get into that momentarily. There was a nice stretch from Click Click Capella that I wanted to point out early in the third quarter. Capella had had this nice fake uh, dribble handoff move that he scored on on a dunk, a pretty aggressive play by him. He put a ton of pressure on the rim early in the third quarter, got fouled as well, had another dunk, so two dunks in that stretch. The Hawks um, st- still couldn't get stopped consistently, I will say. Collins had a bad live ball turnover that was uh, that got him pulled, and that was probably the right decision. He was bad, at least for the first two and a half, three quarters of this game. And the lead got down to four at one point. In the third, there was a nice um, little run where Bodanovich had hit back to back wide open threes that were created by Troy Young. And defensively, the Pistons just could not stop the Hawks. That was very evident in this game. The margin, though, hovered in the seven, you know, six, seven range for a long time, got down to four a few times. And then there was the bench lineup, though, that went crazy for the Hawks at the end of the third quarter into the fourth. So they brought in Rondo, they brought in, uh, it was Herder, Bodanovich. Hill, and Fernando for a lot of this time. They finished the quarter at 9-2 to in the final minute, capped by a deep 3 by Rondo, by the way, almost like a buzzer-beater 3, to go up by 13 at the end of the third. It felt like it was over at that point in time. The Hawks were 18-34 to from 3 in the first three quarters on some wide-open looks. Then, it kept coming early in the fourth. There was a 3 by Solomon Hill on the first possession of the fourth quarter to go up by 16 points, and that was the best stand of the night for John Collins, actually, I thought. He played very well early in the fourth, and really the entire fourth. He was much, much better after struggling kind of mightily in the first three quarters by his standards. But again, they were up seven when Rondo came in in the third quarter. They were up 18 when he exited the game. And actually, they led by as many as 24 early in the fourth quarter. And then they brought in the starters with you know Young, Hunter, Capella, etc., with about seven minutes to go. And then Detroit kind of caught fire, and the Hawks kind of ran out of gas a little bit. And it was a flurry of activity from the Pistons. Um, the Hawks obviously led up a little bit, you know, whether they admit that or not. You're up 24 in the fourth against a, against a bad team. I'm sure there's some let-up factor there, but the Pistons got hot at a, at, a, at a bad time for the Hawks. They scored 15 straight points at one point um, to get the lead from 24 down to nine. And then Detroit, from there, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, four, there was a four-point play in there by Detroit. They involved a loose ball foul. There was uh, a Jeremy Grant air ball three that seemed to be like their kryptonite, but then they turned it over, Trae Young did, and then Grant hit a three, And suddenly, the game is a five-point game with 105 remaining. Now, the Hawks were still in control of this game. They ended up winning it, obviously. But they actually had to kind of fade a disaster late. So, out of a timeout, down sorry, up five with 105 to go, they got a good look, at least a good design, with DeAndre Hunter going at uh, at a smaller guard. He wanted a foul, and so did Lloyd Pierce. He was incensed by the lack of a call there. But he didn't get it. He missed there. So, the Hawks now... Um, don't, don't have the ball. only up five. So they dodged some danger there because they got a stop on the other end of the floor. And then a couple of defensive plays by Collins that were huge late in this game, as well as reddish. Those two guys really helped the defense stabilize at the very, very end of the game. And then once they had some free throws, uh, got a couple stops and that was the end of that. So was it really in doubt? Not really. At the same time, getting that lead down to five and it could have been three or two, uh, after lead by 24 in the fourth quarter against a bad team is not ideal, but they got the win. And I said this on Twitter, but it's, it's a good teaching night for Lloyd Pierce. That's kind of a great scenario for, if you're the Hawks is that you get a win, a game that you had to win a game that you needed to win, obviously, but you also get a, uh, at least a full quarter meltdown on some level in the fourth, and also a full game of defensive breakdowns that the team can pick apart between Nick McMillan and Pierce and Melvin Hunt, et cetera. Those guys will have a field day with a film on this one defensively. So, Uh, We will definitely get into some more broad takeaways in a moment. But uh, overall, I will say offense good, defense bad. And then we'll dive into that more momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on the pod. And uh, we always love the good folks at Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case, but also the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic, and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like Caramel Brownie, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, and, a, and of course my personal favorite, and Cookies and Cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out, and from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health-conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, so we'll finish up the podcast with some takeaways and some individual breakdowns, as we often do on the pod. I will start defensively to get the bad part out of the way first. The Hawks were bad defensively in this game. Full stop, bad. There were some moments where it was kind of encouraging. I think Lloyd Pierce kind of downplayed it a little bit, but he talked about them over overhelping, some overaggressiveness, some gambling, etc. I would back that up to be sure. And also, just fundamentally, they were bad at protecting the rim. Uh, defensive rebounding was was a problem in this game as well. A lot of weaknesses overall against a team that again was kind of overmatched in the Pistons. So Detroit had 52 points in the paint. That's a bad number. The Hawks were bad at that last year and seemed to be a little bit better at it the last couple of games, but that was pretty bad in this spot. Getting uh, Detroit getting into the paint, kind of that will without the benefit of like fantastically quick guards is a problem. Like Josh Jackson went crazy on some jump shots, but you know guys like Kelly Hayes getting in the lane, uh, Sadiq Bay getting some good shots off. Um, kind of miss miss assignments along the way. They they got outworked a little bit by Isaiah Stewart at times. uh, Sorry, um, DeLon Wright was good in this game for Detroit. But all that to say, the Hawks allowed the Pistons to score 1.22 points per possession in this game. That is bad against anyone. Like, that's a number that would be elite for any offense. And then again, when you're facing this Pistons team that has some NBA players on it still, you know, you still have Jeremy Grant, Jackson's a talented guy. You know, Plumlee is a solid player, etc. But this rotation that Detroit had should not be scoring this against anyone. So that's, that's kind of telling. The Pistons did shoot reasonably well at times, but man... It was kind of a mess. Also, the Hawks allowed the Pistons to have 17 offensive rebounds, which is about 31% of their overall output. That's that's bad as well. And then only eight turnovers for the Pistons. So you lose a possession battle, and that's how you give up that many points without having the Pistons go crazy shooting because at the end of the game, Detroit shot 43-98 from the floor and 13-41 to from three. Those are pretty pedestrian numbers. They're not incredible. They're not terrible, but they're kind of right in the middle of the road. So how do you give up that, that many points per possession? It's because you don't defensive rebound or cost turnovers, and the points in the paint will also kill you. So, overall, defensively, it was a mess. I mean, I don't want to go crazy on it. It's one game. The Hawks won this game, and that's worth pointing out. This is a game that the Hawks might have lost in previous seasons because they uh, just could not get a stop. And when it mattered, it was better. In the fourth quarter, the Hawks did play better defensively. They got some stops in the last couple minutes that they actually needed to get. But, man, the overall product defensively was not good in this game, I don't want to tell you otherwise. So, on the more positive side, the offense was quite good. Now again, the same caveat applies, Detroit was not a great defensive team by any means in this game, but it is a good reminder that the Hawks are really gifted offensively. So, they got up 42 three-point attempts, it took, it took 32 free throws, they have 30 assists in this game, that's a lot of assists, and with 13 turnovers, that's a good number for Atlanta. So a lot of positive, they shot the ball great, um, 49% from the floor and 48% from three, 20 of 42, and they got to the line, 28 of 32 as well. So... Obviously, that's really good offensively. 1.31 points per possession. That's uber elite against anyone. Again, Detroit may be be accountable for some of that stuff, but the Hawks had to make make shots. They made them. They created them. Trey Young was great in this game as he's been the entire season so far. So lots of positives. The Hawks had seven guys in double figures, and an eighth, Kevin Herter, had nine points. So they were really balanced and really good offensively in this game. We'll go over the individual play now. Uh, and sort of dive in, but I wanted to talk about the broad takeaways. Oh, last thing on the shooting. The Hawks had a 67% true shooting in this game. That is ridiculously good for any sample. So, yeah, really good offensive performance. Defensively, not so good. Um, Individually, we'll talk about the 10 guys that played. It was a short rotation in this game. No Brandon Goodwin, no Nathan Knight, and then Gallinari did not play, and uh, Skylar May is still DNP in this spot by a 10-man group. Fernando played the least at 11 minutes, but I actually thought Bruno played well in this game. He's plus 18. That's probably a little bit misleading, but I think defensively, he was pretty actively good. And then he was 2-2 two two from the floor, made his only free throw, had five rebounds, five points, had a block shot. I thought Bruno played some of his best basketball in this game. He didn't make a you know ridiculous, like, eye-popping impact, but I think rim protection was probably best when he was on the court, maybe. Uh, in this game, that's like a kind of a low bar to clear, but I thought he played well, and the results followed him. As a result of that, Um, elsewhere on the bench, Rondo only only played 15 minutes in this game, but he made some highlight plays. 12 points, 8 assists in 15 minutes. That's crazy. The shooting, you know, waxes and wanes. We talked about Rondo plenty in the last few months. I think offensively, he always has these games where he can just be a maestro. And his passing, you know, for all the knocks potentially on Rondo, his passing is not one of them. His passing is elite. It still is. You can talk about you know top ten, top twenty passers in the league. Whatever you want to say, Rondo's up there. Uh, he's not probably as good as Trey right now, but like he's up there on the list. He's always been a great passer. That was on full display in this game. He made his jump shots, two or three from from three. Got to the line, got to the lane a couple times as well. Again, twelve points, eight assists. You can't ask for anything more than that from Rondo. Defensively, it was kind of a mess. But look, he hasn't played in a while. That was totally fine, and uh, it, 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 does, it it does sort of go to show, as we've discussed on this podcast numerous times having someone who can play with the ball in their hands behind Trey Young is valuable, and the Hawks haven't had that in quite some time. So that's what says Jeremy Lin left you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Um, Elsewhere on the bench, Kevin Herter wasn't as good in this game efficiency-wise as he's been recently, but still had a couple of nice pop plays. Nine points, three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Defensively, not his best night, but and I uh, didn't have his jump shot, but he made a couple of nice passes, a c- couple of good reads. I thought he was generally fine um, offensively at, at, at the same time. Modanovic... Made shots in this game, which was nice. I wasn't worried, as I said on the last podcast after the game, that you know it's definitely too early to panic about a guy who has a track record of, record of being a good shooter. But in this game, he was 5 of 7 from 3. That's what you can ask for from Bogdanovich. 17 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. He was quite good offensively. Defensively, not great necessarily, but nobody was for the most part in this game. But a nice um, plus 9 output from him in 30 minutes off the bench. Solomon Hill was the last guy I'll talk about on the bench here. 20 minutes 4 of 8 from 3, and those were his only shot attempts in the game. 12 points, 2 rebounds, a steal and a block, plus 14. He was one of the better defensive players in this game for Atlanta. I continue to believe in Solomon Hill in a big way. Is he going to always blow you away with his production like this? Probably not, but I thought he played well. He was a genuine positive, and that was reflected in the way the Hawks played when he was on the court. Um, To the starters... In this game, kind of a mixed bag with these with these five. The bench was actually the better selection, other than uh, other than Young. Everybody else in the starting lineup was not fantastic by their standards necessarily. In this game, um, we'll start. We'll, we'll save. We'll save trade to the end. Capella, I thought, had some nice moments. Seven points, nine rebounds, two block shots. He was three or five from the floor. He was minus ten, and I thought that, especially in the first half, he was not himself. He's definitely rusty. He talked about that after the game. He, t- he spoke to the media. talked about how he has t- how he has some rust at this point. Pierce acknowledged that as well. You know, no one will tell you this is the full strength Clint Capella right now. But you also saw some of the flashes. The I, I mentioned this before, but the dribble handoff fake that he executed and dunked. Um, his positioning was pretty good defensively. He wasn't good in this game. I'll say that right now. He was not good. He had a couple nice flashes, but you know this this is a guy who has a track record of being good, so I don't really worry about that too much. But he's not all the way he's not all the way there yet. He's gonna have to get his legs under him, and we'll see how he responds uh, to the, to the Achilles as well coming out of playing twenty minutes in an NBA game. Cam Reddish I thought was pretty bad for three quarters, and then turned it up in the fourth. Um, Eleven points. Seven rebounds, three three assists, three steals, for Cam, four of ten from the floor, two of five from three. I think he was one of the only guys that offensively didn't really have it in this game. Did, did make two threes, though. That was valuable, but made plays defensively at the end. I thought he was kind of lazy, weird for his standards in the first half, maybe first th- first three quarters defensively. Not actively bad, but just not the kind of uh, you know, all over the place defender that he often is in this game. But I thought, you know, he turned it up late, and that was what mattered. That you know He made some plays late, late in this game, and the steals speak for themselves. DeAndre Hunter wasn't as good as he has been the last couple of games, but still was solid. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Made a couple nice plays. 3 of 7 from 3 as well. He's pretty aggressive hunting a shot. You want to see that from him. So, you know, if this is a down game for Hunter, that's a big step forward. This is kind of a normal game for him last year, I will say. Maybe even a little bit better than his normal game last year, still. And uh, I think he's still taking a step forward overall to have this be like a not overwhelmingly great game was just fine for him. I thought he played pretty well overall. John Collins, similar to Cam Reddish, I thought I thought John was pretty bad for his standards. Again, he's still an impactful player at times. But early in the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters, I think John had a couple bad turnovers. Um, defensively, was not quite his normal engaged self. I think he's made a big step forward in the last year or so. Not really in this game until the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, he turned it on. He's making plays offensively, getting loose balls, um, scored um, efficiently around the rim, got to the line a couple times, uh, rebounding. He was, you know, the active backline rim protector. A couple, of, a couple of nice rim protection plays in the last few minutes as well. So it's kind of a tale of two games. I tweeted about this during the game. I thought he was really struggling. He had that bad lab ball turnover, et cetera. But um, when the game mattered, he ra- he ratcheted it up. You know, he always plays hard. That was a good indication from John. And I thought, you know, overall, when you take into account the fourth quarter, it wasn't so bad. I think he will. He, I think he will play better, and he has played better. But um, he, did make some, he did make some impactful plays late in this game. And then finally, Trey Young, who continues to be just ridiculous, honestly, this year offensively. Twenty nine points in thirty three minutes, six assists. Free turnovers, he was 15 and 15 from the line. That's just crazy. Uh, he comfortably leads the NBA right now in free throws, and it's earned you know, some of it's just his craft, but it's so efficient that his true shooting percentage is like somewhere in the 70s for the season right now. That isn't sustainable, but man, he's been so efficient and so good offensively. Defensively, he was not great, but like I said, he had Killian Hayes in the penalty box several times, he's just so under control. You know his passing is also flashing. I think he's hunting a shot a lot right now, which is totally fine because when he's got when he has it going, he has it going. So uh, yeah, was Trey as good as he was in the Chicago game? Maybe not, but man, like, if that's the bar we're talking about here, what, what do you want me to say? Uh, Trey was very good in this game, and uh, offensively, he is the engine of all things for Atlanta, and that shows in the production. So yeah, I mean, I think overall, the Hawks get a win here. I'm trying not to be too negative because again, this is a game the Hawks don't win necessarily the last few years so to not play that well still execute at a high level offensively play bad defensively and still win is a small step forward in a lot of ways even if it's kind of a good teaching moment for lloyd pierce so we'll see if the hawks can ratchet it up defensively on the next couple of games because i will say this if the hawks have played defensively like, like the way they play tonight if they do that on wednesday against brooklyn it's gonna be a long night for Atlanta. so they know that i'm sure um it's like a Place to look ahead, I guess, to Wednesday and beyond. I'm not planning to do another podcast between now and the game on Wednesday because of uh, it's a holiday week. I gave you I gave you a three podcasts in about a day and a half uh, over the weekend from Saturday night into Monday. So hopefully that will tide you over, and I will still do a podcast after the game on Wednesday and then after the game on Friday. But trying to not go not go crazy this week on the holiday, but. The Hawks are in Brooklyn now for Wednesday and Friday. Now, Special Dinwiddie is now probably going to be out for the season for the Nets. He's definitely going to miss this game. He has an knee injury that's unfortunate for them. That weakens the Nets considerably. Um, also, they they sat Kyrie and KD on a back-to-back, but neither of the Hawks games are back-to-back. It's a Wednesday, and then Thursday is an off day, and then Friday. It's all in Brooklyn. The Hawks, one of those weird COVID-19 schedule back-to-back games, but it's not a back-to-back purely. It's a game-break game break game situation. So you're probably going to see KD and Kyrie in both games. It's a good test for Atlanta. Obviously, Brooklyn will be favored. The Hawks have been favored in all three games so far, basically. I mean, they were coin flip against Memphis, but this is a situation where for the first time this year, the Hawks will go into a game expecting, at least not not, not they will, but nationally, the perception will be the Hawks are the underdog, and they should be. You know, Brooklyn's looked great so far. Um, you know, KD, Kyrie, etc. But it's a good test for Atlanta. Can they get stops is a huge question mark against a Brooklyn offense that's really, really good. So I think they'll score. I think the Hawks will score on the Nets effectively. And uh, we'll see if they can guard them. So that's the next thing that we'll have on the podcast is Wednesday night. Unless there's something crazy that happens on Wednesday during the day or Tuesday. Um, if that if that happens, I will break in. I think you guys know by now that I will do that. But um, until then, um, we have plenty to catch up on. As I referenced before, we had the Saturday Night Recap podcast. Then a Sunday afternoon quick hitting Audio-driven show with Lloyd Pierce and some Chris Dillon updates. And then into Monday morning, Tower Jones and I talked for about an hour on yesterday's podcast. That's still very relevant at this point in time. I know it's one game in the book since then. Most of that conversation was was very broad. Always fun to talk to Tyler. That was a that was a good time. So uh, hopefully that'll be your your holiday listening in the next couple of days as well. So uh, plenty to catch up on. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Please tell two friends, three friends, four friends about the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We will see you after the game on Wednesday.